If the enemy can keep you silent, he can keep you bound. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with coach and author Jaslyn Denise. She's here to show us the prayer playbook. So this is the last episode in our Faith Work series. I hope you have been enjoying all of the wisdom, all of the nuggets, all of the support around specifically your faith pillar. I don't think we talk about it enough. And I really wanted to make sure that before we jumped into the fourth quarter, where we're all going hard to finish 2020 strong, that you had a really great foundation. And so I'm so excited to introduce you to my girl, Jaslyn Denise. Jaslyn is a professional prayer coach. Yep, that's a thing. Author and public speaker who truly believes in living out her purpose and has chosen to do so in all areas of her life. Through her personal experiences of adolescent pregnancy and single motherhood, Jaslyn has not only defied stereotypes, she's redefined them. Her journey started with her own prayer for clarity and has transitioned into an evolving calling that has impacted others on their journey spiritually, personally, and professionally. Without further ado, here is Jaslyn Denise. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Jaslyn. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Excited. I'm excited. Okay, so I remember when the prayer playbook was an idea. Uh, it was it was, was like it an a idea? thought. It, it was, was a like thought. Yeah, it was a small thought, like a mustard seed thought. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you came into Purpose to Platform, and then I was worried about you because I was like, is she doing her work? I don't, I don't know. But I know that what she told me on that first call is what people need because the truth is not everyone feels confident about their prayer life, but so many people are just ashamed to admit it. So how did that mustard seed of a thought drop in your spirit? Honestly, it was conversations I had with myself, conversations I started having with others about prayer and me having a sound foundation and background in prayer and in the church. And I questioned some of the things that I knew I felt like somebody who doesn't have this or even someone who does, where is our place? Where do we go? Who do we talk to? And so God said you. And I'm like, but no, that's not my, that's not me. That's not what, that's not what I do. And I think you have to walk in obedience when God speaks to you clearly. I didn't want to be in the belly of the well, like Jonah, not doing what God told me to do. So I listened You listened and you birthed something amazing. And I've been flipping through the prayer prayer playbook and there's so much in there. The first thing I want to start with is just this recognition that everyone's prayer journey is different because I think that's what comes up for people, right? When I talk to people, they're like, even on my team, sometimes, you know, we pray before a team meeting and I'll leave it open like somebody can go, right? And they'll be like, I don't pray out loud. Yes. And I don't pray in front of people. Yes. And I'm not sure if I'm using the right words. Yes. 
Yes, all of that. And that was my experience. I was at an altar call at church and uh, one of the ministers handed me the mic and I was like, oh, no, he didn't. I am not getting ready to say a prayer in front of all these people in the church and had him judging my good old prayer. Mm -mm, That's not what we're going to do. And that was a defining moment. And he came to me after service and asked me, why was I ashamed and afraid? And I was like, oh, I don't pray in front of people. And I brushed it off. I didn't think about it, walked away and went on about my good old little business and had my conversations with God quietly, privately by myself. And as time developed, I started to ask myself, why am I afraid to pray out loud? I talk to people and I public speak all the time. Why am I afraid to specifically pray? And as I started digging into it, I realized because if the enemy can keep your prayers silent, he can keep you bound. And say that one more time. If the enemy can keep you silent, he can keep you bound. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. And so I had to realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All these scriptures just started coming to me and it was a revelation that, you know what? I'm going to do it. And my prayers are not supposed to sound like someone else's prayers because my experiences are different than someone else. And so I think when people think that they're supposed to pray, you think about those old church mothers who's who are in there and they, that Lord. And no, that's not your testimony. (laughs) It's not, it's not your testimony and you have to pray in your own voice. You have to pray. I told you, I think early on when I talk to God, I'm very transparent and honest about how I feel. I'm like, God, this is some crazy mess right here. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do. (laughs) My prayers be like, God, get her. Go on and get her. Stop this. (laughs) Lord, Lord, I don't want to play these games today. Okay, Jesus, can we not do this? And I really had to learn that that's my, that's how I talk to God because that's my relationship with him. And it's not going to sound like anyone else's. And that's really where that journey for me and that process came from was knowing I'm not going to sound like the King James version of the Bible when I'm praying. And that's okay. (laughs) That is okay. That just the thought of that will definitely run people away. Right. And make them feel because I know one of my struggles used to be is like I couldn't remember scriptures. And I know Mm -hmm. that was like a lie from the pits of hell because I could remember the most random things. But I would misquote scriptures and I'd be like, well, I get I get it, though, as long as I get it. But then when people would say that you should use scriptures in your prayer. Yeah. And confess like whatever promises you got from the Bible, I'm like, oh, well, I'm doomed because I don't remember scriptures well. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to use them in prayer. So how how do people like me work that? It's really a muscle. And I'm not a fitness person. That's a pillar I'm working on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to work my faith muscle. (laughs) I'm I'm going to stay in that pillar today and many days to come ahead. But really... You think of how many songs do you know? When when it from the nine nine to the two thousand drop, we all know <laughs> we can we can recite those lyrics. Girl, I know songs from the eighties word for word. Yes, yes, but you know them because why? You've heard them so many times. So it goes into if you are reading the same scriptures over and over and over again, what's going to happen? You're going to remember them. How did you learn your ABCs? Because you kept reciting them. And so in times of trouble, in times of triumph, when you have those go-tos, it will change your life. 
not just change your prayer life, but your entire life. And for me, what I started doing when I made my prayer closet was I started writing scriptures on my wall, like not post-its, but literally wrote on my wall because there are times where I don't know what to say and I don't have the scripture and I can look up and say, okay, God, whatever it is that's on that wall is going to resonate and speak to me because at a time in trouble, I was in that closet probably on my face and had to write the scripture on the wall. And so when I need it again, I have it to reference. And I'm not a Bible scholar. That's one thing that I think makes me a lot different is I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I don't want to be. I'm just a regular chick who loves Jesus and knows a little bit about him and can tell somebody. And that was what happened for me is I really just started exercising that muscle. And honestly, I prayed and said, God, I want your word to be in my heart. And when it's in your heart, Mm -hmm. you have no choice but for it to come out in what you say and what you do people see that and it starts to resonate with you and you start to learn those stories and those in the bible that relate to what you're going through and so that really was what happened for me is even in the church growing up from day one born baptized christened everything in the church there every sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i had struggles and so i knew that if i had those struggles how many people who didn't have that foundation have them or are ashamed to admit that they have them? I've had people that I've coached who are on the prayer team, the intercessory prayer team at their church who have had issues, but were afraid to talk to somebody in the church because they felt they would be judged. I mean, that's what is so disappointing Mm -hmm. is that so much of what blocks us and keeps us spiritually malnourished is the fear of judgment. Yep. Yep. What are people going to say? I mean, I remember, honestly, when I was pregnant with my son, I was pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. And when I went on bed rest, I was very active in mm-hmm. my church. I was on mm-hmm. the stewardship team and I did all these different things. And when I went on bed rest, I disappeared, Jaslyn. Yeah. No one knew what happened to me. They didn't know I was pregnant until I was about to lose the baby. Like no Mm -hmm. one knew anything because I was so afraid and so ashamed Mm -hmm. and so embarrassed in the very place that I should have felt comfortable going to get prayer. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I can't. I, you know, they would email and say, do you have a prayer request? And I'd be like, delete, (laughs) not not replying. I didn't say anything. Um, And at that time, I was about 25 at that time. At that time, I also wasn't comfortable even praying for myself, if I'm honest. Yeah. For me, same situation. I was 19, not married, not even with the father of my son, the pastor's granddaughter, the preacher's daughter, the preacher's cousin, the preacher's niece. And... I was at church still every Sunday because for me, I felt like I have to be here because if I'm going to get through this, it's only going to be by God, through God, shall I say. And I knew that I, I had to I had to be there and I didn't care about the judgment because just because you can see what happened or what I did does not mean that you don't have your own thing. And that's what people feel. Bloop. <laughs> that's what people fail to realize is all have sinned. Not some, all have sinned. Just because your sin is not manifested in a way I can see it does not mean that it doesn't exist. And I think once people realize that they can be freed of so many things is don't worry about somebody else judging you just because you can't see what they need to be judged for, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody has something. Your something just may be different. My something was I decided to sleep with a man that I wasn't with or married to and had a baby. You can see that. But it was the greatest blessing. And I know the purpose for my son's life is bigger than even me. So he's here for a reason. And church folks, if you on here, stop judging people. Stop turning people away from the church. There are so many people who have church hurt. And that is why their relationship with God is a little faulty is because you have been the walking Bible for them and you have been flawed and you have not admitted that you have issues and you have not shown what your issues are and you make people think that your lives are perfect and they're not, they're not. And so I never want to create this. I have a perfect life because I don't, you and I have talked, I've sat in the County office and cried because they denied me. I have had issues. I have had heartbreak. I have had loss. I I still battle. I got this cussing spirit that the Lord won't take off me. (laughs) I'm telling you. So (laughs) I'm telling you, it's there. It's there. I struggle. I struggle even in my sanctified self. There are mornings where I'm like, I don't feel like reading my Bible. There are times where I forget to say that prayer there are the me and so it's i'm not exempt nobody is exempt but i share that because i don't want anybody to feel like they're less than because of yeah i love in the in the playbook too you talked about you know when you fall off the routine to just yeah. get back in it and start off wherever you left off. And I love that you talked about sometimes, you know, mornings are different. You wake up late and maybe it's not the 30, 45 minutes hour you want to yep. spend. Sometimes it's grabbing that phone and getting in that Bible app so you can get a few scriptures in. Yeah, Like it, it's going to look different. And I love that you said that because like you, we never want to create this false perception that it's all perfect and we have it all figured mm-hmm. out. We human. Everybody is. Everybody is. My prayer room is real crunk and it is going. We going in there for two hours. And some days like this morning, I woke up late to get to that 6 a.m. workout and I was in Mm -hmm. that closet for four and a half minutes and I did what I needed to do. Right. Like I jumped in, jumped out. But every day is different. But Mm -hmm. the thing is to keep going. And that's what I love about the spirit of what you're talking about. Yeah. And to know that God isn't going to say, oh, she only spent four minutes with me today. I only got four minutes for her. That's not who he is. He is not that type of God where he is like under the circumstances like we are. We are very conditional. He's an unconditional God. And so when we put our limitations on him and our expectancies on him and our faithfulness on him, we're doing him an injustice because that's not who he is. And even if you didn't spend those four minutes in that closet today, that doesn't mean that God loves you any less or that you're any less of a Christian because you didn't. Or it, if it was four weeks, you that doesn't make you less than somebody who was in there for four hours every morning. And honestly, there are going to be seasons in your life and you will identify those where you need to be. And there will be times and there will be places where you may just have to stop. I'm praying throughout the day. God, where are my keys? Lord, bridle my tongue. Jesus, Constant conversation. Yes. Keep me close to the cross, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you that I wasn't late. Thank you that you gave me the words to say. Thank you that I had the ability to give the person who was homeless some extra money and buy them something to eat. Thank you for those moments. Those are prayers that I'm saying throughout the day. So if I have four minutes today, 
I'm not worried because I know where my relationship with God is. That's what we have to be focused on is what is your relationship? Not the regimen, not the routine of it, but what is the relationship? Yes. Uh, We both talked about, I talked about a prayer room and you talked about a prayer closet. How did you get to the point of recognizing that you needed a designated space for prayer? Because we have space for everything else. We have a space where now in this quarantine or incubation period where you have a space to work, you have a space to sleep, you have a space to shower, to go to the restroom, you have a place where you eat, you have a place where you cook, you have places that you spend time with your family, you have a place for your significant other. Why do you not have a space for the most important thing in your life, which is God? And that space looks different for everyone else. That space can be a room. That space can be for me. It was a closet because I realized that I needed a place for God. And I said, all of this stuff got to come up out of here. Clothes, shoes, jackets, blankets, everything got to go. I don't know where it's going to go, but it's coming up out of here. And that can be a corner. I've talked someone and coached someone and helped someone get their prayer corner together where it's literally a corner. Someone else has a prayer box because she doesn't have an empty corner in her house. So we created this box where in the morning she goes to her kitchen table before anybody in her home is up. And that is her time and her space with God. So you have to identify what that is for you. But if you want God to be that important for you and you want to create that relationship, you have to create space and boundaries to have that. That's so good. And I hadn't heard of the prayer box. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mm-hmm. think I told you about this too. I had a prayer room um, in one house or it was my prayer closet. Mm-hmm. And then we downsized for like a year before I moved to Atlanta and then my whole place was like just open space. It yeah. Only the bedrooms were tucked away. So I felt like I was always exposed, right? Mm-hmm. I had a corner. Then I had a prayer corner, mm-hmm. which still worked. I did my thing. I couldn't yeah. pray out loud about Gerald and Reagan the way I wanted to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. They had to go down in the prayer journal, uh, right. like out loud with it. Yes. And now the reason that I chose the house that I live in, and I don't know if I told you this, there was a whole thing about us finding a house in Atlanta. We had a couple days and we had put an offer in on a house, got it accepted, thought that was it. And then saw another house come on the market right before we were going to head back to California. Mm-hmm. Drove up to the place just to go check it out. Gerald sneaking around. I don't even know if I should be saying this publicly. He trespassed basically. And the back door was open. Praise God for trespassing. That <laughs> was a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I was all scary, but I was like, let's go see. Uh huh. Because the one thing that the other house didn't have was a prayer room. And I mm-hmm. was kind of bummed about that. I was like, man, I'll yeah. be back in the closet. I want a room. Yeah. And We go upstairs, we do a quick little turnaround, probably seven minutes. We go through the master bedroom, the the bath, uh, a a walk-in closet, and then there's a random door in the back. And um, Mm -hmm. Gerald's ahead of me. So I'm like, what is that then if this is the closet? And he opens it up and it has this beautiful window facing the front of the house. Mm -hmm. And he's like, babe, it's your prayer room. (sighs) And I just instantly, girl, I started tearing up. I was like, this is it. We had to call yes. the renter like, uh, can you take us out of that other offer and make an offer? So oh, what happened was this ram in the bush when we was trespassing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Literally, though, we bought the house because of that prayer room. Yes. We were here for six or seven minutes. 
and ran outside, of course, because we were trespassing. It was empty, though, y'all. Don't get any ideas. Right. I wasn't in here with people's furniture. But right. we, we went It was your house already, so you it was my house. It was we your house. Prayed. We actually prayed on the catwalk before mm-hmm. we walked back downstairs, mm-hmm. talked to the realtor, all that good stuff. When we came back, it was months later. That was March of 2019. We didn't wow. see the house again until June. Wow. And it's so funny because we walked in like, is this it? <laughs> But you knew that room. It was like, hold on, wait, let me go check and make sure my room is here. All I knew was prayer room. I yes. literally bought the house based on a prayer room. And yes. it was, I feel like, and Gerald even speaks to that, the best thing that we yes. could have done. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you will have those times and those moments where you need that. You need, and sometimes I've even said, um, you have to be unconventional. If that means you have to go in your car to step away, do that. If you have to go on your balcony, whatever it is, you need to have that space with God. And I talked about in the book, there was a man, John Wesley, and his mother used to put an apron over her head every day. And that was her time to spend with God. And everyone knew in the home that this is when she's spending time with God, her apron. Her apron was her closet. and. It wasn't a room. It wasn't it wasn't what it was or what we have. Thank God that we have the ability to have this. But you do what you got to do. And when you are desperate to be close to God, you will figure it out. You will make a way. We make ways for so many other things. We figure out how to put that extra shoebox in the closet. We figure out how we going to squeeze these other 10 dresses into this closet. We make room for what we want. Um, so you have to do the same with God. If it's really that important to you, if it's not, I get it. But for me, when I got to that point of desperation and connection, I said, okay, these shoes are going to go in the back room. We're going to build this Ikea closet to put over here on the side for the clothes to go because I was desperate. Mm, I love that. You got to get to the point where you're desperate. Yeah. Where you're desperate to have that time. Or to do it before you get there. Do it before Mm. you get desperate. Oh, yeah. You do yeah. it. Do it when you are in a good time. Do it when your blessings are flowing. It doesn't have to be like I said, everybody's going to have a different path. But for me, that was it. So I'm hoping that my story and my lesson is going to teach somebody that if you have the ability to do it now, do it so that when it's time for you to go into war, when it's time for you to have that battle, you already have that place established. If you already in that war, you better go figure it out quick. Yeah. And that's why you call it a playbook, right? Like, so that you are ready. Yes. When, when, I mean, in and out of season, I would say that that you're just prepared and you're ready. In the playbook, you also talk about fasting before Mm -hmm. going into these 21 days of prayer that you kind of lay out. Why is fasting such an important partner to prayer? Because you clear your mind of certain things. And it could be different types of fast. Some people do food fast, um, but I know because of health conditions, not everybody can do that. Sometimes it's just cutting off your social media. Sometimes it's cutting out television. Sometimes it's the radio. Whatever is taking your time away from God, you want to be able to remove that distraction. For me, sometimes it really is food because I love it. I love food. And so I know that I'm so worried sometimes about what I'm going to eat that I'm not worried about my Bible or my scriptures. 
<laughs> listen to thine own self be true. And so when you take that time, it's a sacrifice that you're making for God. And I have found that when I try to do things without committing it to God, it goes awry. And when you are fasting and you're saying, God, this is what I want to hear from you. This is what I want to do in this time. He will honor that. He will honor it. And so figure out what you need to fast from and take that off the plate and go into these 21 days of prayer and seriously create that relationship or reestablish that relationship. So the prayer playbook is to begin, transform and improve your prayer life. So it doesn't matter if you gave your life to Christ yesterday or 30 years ago, there is something that you can do that can strengthen your relationship with God because for the reason that you're still here is for a purpose. And you want to be sure that you're living out God's purpose for your life the way that he wants you to. So speaking of the 21 days of prayer, what are some of the things that you have listed in there that you're praying for? And what do you expect to happen as you guide people through these 21 days? Yes, it will transform their prayer life. But is there are there other things specifically that you hope people will take away? There are 21 days and like you said, each day has something different. And so we start off with salvation and end off with a prayer partner. But in between there, we have for forgiveness, because sometimes you need to forgive someone or even forgive yourself. There is a prayer for wisdom. There's a prayer for submission because we need to be able to submit to God. There's a section in there of praying over your finances, over your current or future spouse. For me, that. (laughs) I saw that. Yes, there's a section about that. And so every day, We go through something and I have a model prayer. There are going to be scriptures that are in relationship to the topic of the day. And then there's going to be a prompt and lines and a section where you can go in and write out your own specific prayer. Because again, prayer is very personal. So you can read a prayer all day, every day, but that's not going to speak specifically to you. And that's my goal is to get people to learn their specific prayer language with God and have those open conversations. So you can read the prayer about your current or future spouse, but that my what I put may not be exactly what you're experiencing. And so you can read what I have, read the scriptures, let that sit in your spirit and then go and write exactly what you need to write for whatever it is you need to pray about in that section. I love it. I love it. And I really, really, really loved that the last one was about praying for a prayer partner. Yes. Um, Because one, I saw it, it just made sense to me that that's how you would continue on, right? So after you get through the 21 days, what's that thing that's going to, you know, maybe hold you accountable or make it a definite part of your life? And prayer partners have been a game changer for me. Oh my gosh. Can you talk about just the importance of having a prayer partner, what you've gotten out of having prayer partners and, and some do's and don'ts, if there are any. (laughs) The prayer partner piece is so vital and it's so important that God leads you to your prayer partner. I talk about in the prayer playbook how my prayer partner was not anyone that I would have, my first prayer partner, let me say that, was someone that I would not have originally reached out to. I have a best friend who has been my friend for years. I have friends that I've had since childhood. I talk to my mother every day. And all of these people have sound foundational relationships with God, but they are not my prayer partners. 
And so I was praying to God at a time where I knew I needed something more. And I prayed and asked him specifically to identify my prayer partner. And when he did, I'm like, okay, you sure? Sometimes, you know, we question God. And I I hadn't talked to this girl since high school. I knew her in high school, but we were not friends in, in high school. We weren't enemies, but we weren't. She wasn't somebody I hung out with or I spent the weekends with or anything. And I said, okay, God, again, operating in obedience. I said, I I didn't have this girl's phone number. I slid in her DMs. And I was like, okay, girl. So God, I was praying for a prayer partner and God put you on my heart. And I understand that that's not what you're looking for. And went on, gave her my whole spiel. And she called me like almost immediately. And she had been praying for God to strengthen her in so many areas and ways. And so her prayer and my prayer, although not the exact same, were connected and God saw fit. And had I not been obedient, we both would have been not in a bad situation, but we wouldn't be able to have the breakthroughs that we have and have had over the years. And I can't stress how important it is for God to be in the midst of that because you will have to be very vulnerable. You will have to be very open. You will have to be very transparent. You are telling somebody things that you don't want to tell anybody else. But again, that is what you have to do in order to break those strongholds. And another big part of it is there were times where I could not pray for myself, where I just didn't have the words. And so her prayers were what helped me. Same thing. There were times where she wasn't able to pray specific prayers for herself, but I was able to pray. There have been times where we've been on a call and she may break down crying in the midst of her prayer. And I'm going to pick up right where she left off because I know what she needs in that moment. And God has placed it in my heart through the spirit to be able to speak on my sister's behalf and so many other people throughout the years that I've had those relationships with. And I value them all. I think that they're all so important. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered. Well, get your two or three. It says one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 2000. Well, if we get four, how many thousand we going to put to flight? And you really have to have God in the midst of that. It's so important because there will be times where you got to talk about your spouse or your children or something that's bothering you, your finances, your health things that you don't want to tell anybody and you don't want that to be blasted out across the earth because this person wasn't able to handle your vulnerability. They were judging you. I know that anything I've said to anyone that I pray with, that they do not judge me and vice versa. I'm not going to judge anything that they say to me. And you have to know that that is a God centered relationship. My prayer partner, my first prayer partner is married. And she's often said that this sometimes is the most intimate relationship I have outside of my marriage. Because you have to see that. Yes, because you have to be that vulnerable with that person. And you can't just do that with anybody. So good. That's so good. I'm telling you, I I completely identify with the intimacy of a prayer partner relationship. Because boy, listen, it's stuff going to the grave. Yes, (laughs) yes. With uh, prayer partners. And I mean, um, for them as well with me, what I love, we use an app called Echo Prayer too, Mm -hmm. sometimes just to keep up and to be able to go back and look at and sometimes say to each other, because you'll forget. 
Yeah. And your prayer partner will be like, no, remember we prayed for that in November. I'm like, girl, we did pray for that. Like sometimes that's the other thing too. They're like a live, breathing, walking prayer journal because we're so in it sometimes that especially when it's not an immediate answer, you'll forget that it was the prayer or the desire of your heart, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, my prayer partners have brought things back around for me and I've done the same for them. Yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful relationship. I would love to know how you went from being a prayer partner to being a prayer coach. Okay. (laughs) So for me, it was really having those conversations with people. And I had a girlfriend of mine who was like, I just can't pray for myself. And I said, oh, honey, that's a lie straight from the devil. We go rebuke that right now. And so I started taking the conversations that I was having and put it in the prayer playbook. But again, it's very personal and it's very specific. And so I started be prayer coaching people because they needed something more and they needed specifics. So it can be one of the clients that I've worked with has been, she was trying to get a new job. And for years, she was praying prayers for a new job. And finally, I told her, I said, well, if you're praying like that, that's why you're not asking God to teach you the lessons that you need to learn in your current job to be able to move on to the next job because you're just too busy complaining. God, you know, I don't like this job and I need something else. Okay, that is so funny. You say it that way, though, because a lot of people do consider that prayer. Yes. When they're like, oh, I've been praying about this for years. No, you've been complaining for years. Yes. That's good. (laughs) Yes. I told her, I said, you need to change your prayer. And I tell you with, she recently, we had this conversation in January in quarantine. She got a new job. Never physically met with anybody Never had a face-to-face conversation. All of her stuff from changing her prayer to God, what lessons am I supposed to learn? What do you want me to get from this? And how can I be a blessing in the next position to grow and to show your light that you placed in me? Got a new job after years. And I'm not saying it's a miracle and God is this genie in a bottle. He's not. But when you honor him, And want to honor him in your prayers and what you're doing next, he hears you. And so everything that I do, I'm saying, God, I never want anybody to see Jaslyn. I never want anybody to see me. I only want them to see you. Anytime I speak, I want people to hear you. When people physically see me, I want them to see you. I don't, I don't need to be acknowledged. I want to be as small as possible. And I want all that's in me, empty me daily to be filled with you. And Sometimes that's really what your prayer has to be and God will honor that. And it might just simply be changing the words that you're saying in your prayer. That's good. And I'm so glad you gave that example because I know that people will hear the term prayer coach or the title prayer coach and go, you ain't charging me for Jesus. <laughs> like you're not, about, yes. you're not about to charge me to speak to the Lord. But the truth is many people are uncomfortable doing it and don't know how. Yes. And you and I had this conversation because I had someone very innocently ask me, oh, so you charging for Jesus? Absolutely not, ma'am. Jesus is free all day, every day. Try him. Try Jesus. Don't try me. He's free. But what I will tell you is when that question was asked to me, the revelation that God gave me was if you 
are asthmatic. Air is free for all of us who don't have asthma. But the second you become asthmatic, know someone who's asthmatic or has an asthmatic child, how much do they pray for the same thing that you and I take for granted and do every day for free? You will pay for an asthma pump. You will pray, pay for a nebulizer. You will pray, pay for treatments. You will pay all kind of money to be able to breathe because you have a problem with breathing. If you don't have a problem with prayer, God bless you. You don't need me. Praise him. Praise him. You don't, you don't need a prayer coach because your prayer life is lit. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. But if you have an issue or you want to strengthen, begin, transform, or improve your prayer life, then you might need somebody to help you do that. And it might not be your pastor. It might not be a preacher. It may just be me or someone like me that can help you just change the small details of your prayer life to get you to the next level. There are some people that I talk to one time and I never have to talk to them again except for a check-in. And then there are some people who really need help because they have no idea where to start or to begin and they've never done this before. They've only gone to God when they needed something and so they don't know how to be in regular communication with him. So what do we do? We go through the foundations and set up their prayer life. And and I help them with that, but I'm gonna charge for it because it's my time and it's the resources that I put in. Your doctor charges you for a service that they have gone in and studied for. I've studied for this. I've been through this. I've experienced this. I love it. I love it. And I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you. Hey, before I let you go, I have to ask you a few redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. You ready? Yes, I love them. How do you define success? Success is by how you feel when you go to sleep and when you wake up. Very good. Yes. How do you define wealth in three words or less? I define wealth by being at peace. I love it. Being at peace. Love it. What is one book that has redefined how you see wealth? It's only natural that I'm going to say the Bible. That's good. Any reason in particular why the Bible? The Bible is a storybook and it's God's love letter to us. And there are so many things about wealth and loss of wealth that we see and how to maintain it, how to be a good steward. We see what happens to those who weren't. We see to those what has happened to those who are. And so anytime I have an issue, I go to the Bible. So when I think about wealth, I definitely look there. I love it. All right. You're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Jasmine Denise. And to me, the truth about wealth is it is my God-given birthright. Amen. I love it. I am so, so, so proud of you. And I don't know if I even said this in the beginning of the episode, but not only did we speak when this was a mustard seed, I remember you when you were in middle school and I was in high school. (laughs) And I had my glasses and my braces. (laughs) Yes. So you have truly seen me grow up. (laughs) Yeah. So it's so it's such a blessing to watch you blossom into this woman. I know we weren't, you know, friends back then. You were a little kid to me, you know, Um, but I never forgot your face. So when we were reintroduced, I was like, oh, I know her. (laughs) I I know exactly who this is. So proud of you. This is going to be the first of many books for you I'm sure I know you feel like oh I got one done 
Mm-mm. Yes. <laughs> good. That was good. I'm happy for you. You don't have to turn around and write another one, but I just know that there's another one in there because I hear it in you. From your um, lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah. But I'm super excited for you. Where can we pick up a copy of the prayer playbook? The prayer playbook is available at www.jazzlandenise.com. That's www.jazlyndenise.com in the shop section. Awesome. So proud of you, Jazlyn. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay, more great takeaways. I really hope that you are taking these last few weeks to really get your faith pillar playbook down, right? I love that Jaslyn even talked about sacred spaces and having that that space. We have a time for everything else. We have a place for everything else, right? And so I hope this episode, like last week was very, very much about prayer. What I loved about Jaslyn's as well, though, is it was about creating the space, setting up your environment to support that part of your life, to support your faith pillar, And so I have a video, it's from a long time ago now, actually, but it's on YouTube about my sacred space, which used to be in my closet. In my new home, I actually have a prayer room, which is off the backside of my closet. Maybe I should do a video about it. But I hope that as we gear up for this fourth quarter, that you will commit to creating your space and getting your faith pillar prayer book or playbook, I should say, together so that you're equipped to handle whatever comes at us because woo, 2020 has been a doozy, right? So we need to prepare ourselves to really persevere through this next these next three months. And so check out Jaslyn's book. You can pick up a copy of the prayer playbook at jaslyndenise.com. That's J-A-Z-L-Y-N Denise.com. Check it out. Check out her site. It's beautifully done. I'm so proud of her. I think I first met her when she was in like eighth grade, maybe. So to see her come full circle, come to Purpose to Platform, build all of this and finally have a tool that can really support us all. I'm just so incredibly proud of this young woman. So get your copy of the prayer playbook. And make sure you hit Jaslyn up in the Redefining Wealth community. She is a purpose chaser. She's doing a purpose pop-up training this month. So make sure that you support her and that you go get those nuggets as well. She goes a bit deeper. Uh, she She's sharing more than what she even shared in this episode and really giving you greater context into the book. So check her out in the Redefining Wealth community where every month we do a purpose pop-up training. And I'm excited that she's hosting. All right, you guys, until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.